Good morning. We are glad you are all here. Happy 4th of July to you. Let's all stand and we will begin worship this morning.
Would you guys just turn and say hello to someone? I see a lot of new faces today. Please welcome them. Let them know that we are glad they're here. Boy, it's good to see everybody here this morning. We're excited to have you here. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Let's uh, let's do our, our due diligence to welcome the Holy Spirit here today. He's the guest of honor. And without him, this is pretty much pointless. We want to make sure we ask him welcome him in. So pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for these brothers and sisters that you have sitting out here today that have set time aside to come and worship you and to show you that they love you. Lord, I pray that our offering of praise will be one that is pleasing to you this morning. I pray, Jesus, that you will just come and and just lay down over us like a blanket, that your Holy Spirit would walk up and down these aisles, that you would feel welcome here by your people. And Lord, for those that are sitting here that are struggling, that have had a rough week, or are dealing with things, Lord, give them a little, a little rest right now. Let them connect to you in a new way. And I pray, Jesus, that they will just lay things at your feet and let you handle it. Lord, you can do all things. You're a miracle worker. And we're thankful for you. We're thankful for your salvation. We're thankful for this country that you've given us, Lord. I pray that we will honor you with our actions, with our thoughts. Lord, with our mouths. We need your help. So I pray that right now, Jesus, we can enjoy your presence that we can take a step forward into your throne room and we can worship you like your kids should. We love you. We give you this morning, Lord. I pray that you're pleased with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. 
Cause I know that's where you'll be I'll count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be I'll count the joy from every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be Good to know that he's got it, right? You know, this next song that we're doing, you'll recognize it. It's one we do frequently. But uh, I was thinking this week what the disciples must have felt like when Jesus died and left them. And just they thought, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? And then he came back. And then he ascended into heaven. And uh, what happened? They got lit on fire, right? 12 people went out into the world and told people about Jesus. And that must have been an amazing time because they didn't have the word. They did not have the Bible to look at. They did not have the encouragement of that. They had some stories from the past that had happened and things that God had done, but they didn't have a reference book this thick that we that could go through and you could find an answer from. And we get that, and we also get the lives that they lived and modeled for us. And it was pretty special that they actually got to go out, just 12 people, and get people and fish for men. Are you a fisher of men? <laughs> I got one hand. <laughs> There's another. That's right. There we go. Now that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. We have a purpose here. And God keeps pushing his plan forward. No matter what, he's got a plan that's going forward. So we are excited about that because we know that he's not done yet. He's not done. I was telling Pastor Matt that I sat on my porch last night with my cape on praying for the rapture. And... Uh, <laughs> It didn't come. <laughs> but I know that he is coming. And until then, I have a job to do. I have people around me that need Jesus. I have people around me that are hurting, that need his word. And I'm excited to tell them about him. Because you just don't know who you're sitting next to. You don't know who you're standing next to at the grocery store line and who really needs him. So church, we got a job to do. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see his hand move because he's doing it all over the world. Just imagine all the people that are worshiping this morning. The same time we are. All different songs. I can't imagine what God's hearing. But he's hearing it from all over. And his church has a job to do. So battle up, soldiers. We're getting ready to do it again. And I'm excited about that because I want to take as many people with me as we can. Amen? That's right.
walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me yet Waiting for change to come Knowing the battle's won But you have never failed me Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, and this is my confidence. You've never failed me. Your praise 
Oh, Jesus. Your goodness is worth screaming about. It is worth singing at the top of our lungs, Lord. There is nothing you can't do or accomplish. And you know what, Lord? We trust you. We believe you. We believe your word. Oh, Lord, help us to pry our fingers off. Help us to lay it at your feet and walk away and trust you. Because that's what we need to do, Lord. We just need to be still and believe you. You've taken care of your kids forever. From the beginning of time and all the way through it. So there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing you can't do. And we have every reason to have joy and to smile and to enjoy the life that you've given us, Lord, and to share it with other people. So help us to do that. Lord, you've been tilling our hearts this morning. I just pray that we are softened to hear your word. Lord, would you just change us today because we need to be changed in so many ways. Lord, I need to quit worrying. So can you help me with that? I need to leave that there for you. But I know that you've got it. And I know that you're active and moving and working in this great big world, in our country, in our community, in our church, and in our lives. And you're all, you're working it all for good, for your purposes and for your kingdom. So there's nothing we can't believe in with you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Be with us the rest of this morning. Thank you for loving us back. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. I'm still in training. I am so used to wearing something around here or just talking. We need your prayers. You can begin that by Wednesday night at 6.30. We need to bathe this ministry in prayer. So come and visit us on Wednesday night right here and help us pray through the process. Movie night, July 23rd, and the movie is Courageous. A number of people have seen that. I've seen it. It's a really good movie, really heart-touching. We're going to have a video now from VBS, and during that VBS time, we'll be collecting the offering. One last thing. If you haven't turned in your baby bottles, please do so.
go to register is at wlcchurch.com backslash VBS. There you'll get all the information that you need to know, plus the registration form that you can fill out. If you fill it out by July 10th, you will be able to get an awesome treasure of a prize. Let's see if we can find some of that amazing treasure. <gasps> I think I found it. This is where we are going to learn treasured and how you are being priceless to God. Get ready, because pretty soon it's coming up. The youth group's gonna be making another trip to Zuni Nation and to Gallup, New Mexico at the end of the summer, July 29th through August 2nd. And we could use your help. You can help in one of three ways. One, please pray for this trip. Pray that it can be impactful, helpful, and that God will move in a mighty way in the lives of our youth and the lives of those we'll be connecting with in Zuni. Two, you can help with sponsoring a team to go. It's around $200 for a team to go, and if you can even just help out with a part of that, that could go a long way with helping this trip. Finally, we're gonna start a drive for the needs of the people of Zuni and for those at the Manuelitos Children's Home in Gallup. These are needs that aren't covered by government assistance. And in addition to the clothing that we will be bringing, here's a list of the items that are needed by those that live there. Feel free to take your phone out, take a picture of this list, Bring these items back to the church when you can. There will be a tub for them in the foyer whenever you can drop them off. It will go far to help those that live there. Thank you. Well, I think we're supposed to have tithes and offerings. Is Jack here? Did they already do that? Well, now you know. <laughs> well, it's good to see you all here today. Glad you're with us. And uh, I am thankful to be here. I just want to take a moment um, just, to, uh, just to take it in. Good to see you all. And I, <clears throat> you're a good church. Love you. And uh, I, um, I was thinking this week, because this possibly could be maybe my last sermon I ever preach. So I'm thinking, you know, what would you say? What do you say at what might be your last sermon? You know, what, what do you, how do you wrap it? I thought, you know, what do I call it? You know, ramblings of a burnout pastor, you know, I mean, you know, what do, what do, you, what do you call this? Uh, um, well, I, I, I just asked, Lord, give me your words. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to kind of go into... Matthew chapter 9, a little bit if you want to turn there. But, but before anything else, I would just like to, to pray. 
Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for this church. We thank you, God, for the plans and the purposes that you have for this body of believers, how you are going to move them forward to even greater days ahead. I pray, God, that you will just uh, bring about the words that you have through me once more today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so I, I think over 22 years of ministry, and honestly, even before that, because I, I you know, in school preparation and, you know, uh, getting four different degrees in theology, and that's just, you're thinking, what in the world, you know, with, a, I mean, I, I'm still paying on my school loans. <laughs> and so, but, but with all of that, what is it that really sticks? I look back over the span of my time, and of course I was called to be, uh, to be a minister when I was seven years old. I don't believe that calling has, has left. I don't know what God is going to do in my future, but here is uh, where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that really the, the major, major part of my journey in ministry began when I was at Trevecca, Nazarene University, but really it all started with a prostitute. Now you all are already thinking things, aren't you? And that's part of my first point. Perception. Too many times, perception trumps truth. Don't let it happen. Don't let perception trump the truth. So it all started with the prostitute. I'm on a John Deere lawnmower. I'm got hair down to here, earrings. At Trevecca Nazarene University, I'm cutting the field where the athletes all you know, play their games and so forth. And I see over in the corner at the edge of the property of Trevecca at that time, a prostitute was coming on the campus. That wasn't very uncommon, um, at least in those days. I don't know about now, but it, it just happened. We were in a really rough part of the, 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 the city there in Nashville. And, uh, and I just immediately, as I'm on, the, on my John Deere, and I'm, I'm like, oh, man, and she's coming towards me. I don't... I don't really want to talk to her. You know, she, I, she was rough looking and I was like, oh my goodness. And I'm by myself and, but she keeps coming towards me and I'm, you know, going down this lane of cutting where the grass was cut and where it's not cut. And, and as I got close, I could see that her hair is a mess and her makeup is a mess. She, her fishnet stockings were ripped and her clothes were just tattered and, and she comes up, and I turn off the, the mower, and I begin to talk to her. Now, at this point in my life, I wasn't claiming to be a Christian. I was wanting to be a rock star, and, you know, and I just thought that that was where I was going in my life. And, and uh, hence all of the confetti and everything that we have here. No, we, but I, I, I thought, what do I say to this? Because I couldn't hardly understand her. But she was hurting. And my heart just began to pour out to this lady. I, I just felt awful. What, what do I do for her? 
nearby was College Church um, there at Trevecca, and I, I just remembered hearing at one of our chapel services that they had some things there, programs to help some of the, just the, the problems and the dysfunctions that we were all around surrounding the college there, the university. And so I, I told her, I said, go down to College Church. If you go there, I knew the pastor's name, and I said, I, I don't know if he can meet with you, but someone there will meet with you, and they'll be able to help you. And so we, we spoke for a little bit, and sure enough, she headed down that way. Well, the next morning, I get a call, and I said, I need to meet you in the office, and it was one of the administrative people from the college, and uh, and it was my boss at the. I did maintenance while I'm going through school there, and and, uh, and so I went into this office, and there's my boss, and there's someone from the school administration, and 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 see in the background of this was this was the weekend that all of the prospective students were coming with their parents. And, uh, and so I'm sitting there across from this big desk, and I remember the guy's name right in front of me, and he said, Matt, he said, uh, it was said that you were with a prostitute yesterday in the field. And I said, well, yeah, I, I was. Uh, well, it really looked bad, and we got a lot of complaints. <laughs> and so I said, okay, well, um, can I tell you what was going on? Well, let me finish. And so they finished with their spiel. And someone who looks like you, Matt, hair, earrings, uh, talking to someone like that, well, it just doesn't look good at all. Perception and the truth. Well, I, again, I wasn't claiming to be any saint, that's for sure. But I did know about someone called Jesus. Anyone heard of him? Yeah. So here I was, and I started feeling, I don't know if it was a holy anger, because again, I was certainly no saint, but I just was like getting upset, because I'm getting, you know, these things are you know, just coming at me, and, and it had nothing to do with the truth. So... I waited till they were done respectfully, and then at the end, I said, can I tell you what really happened? Sure. And I told them, and then I looked at the individual right across from me, and I said, I don't claim to be a Christian, but the Jesus that you say you follow, what would he have done with this prostitute? And this man who was seasoned and, and been around began to just cry. And the tears began to flow. And he said, I know what Jesus would do. But Matt, this just didn't look good. Perception. Truth. The times in my ministry over the years that I have loved and enjoyed the most have been with people, and some of the toughest times of my ministry have been with people, <laughs> just like with you, everyone. And, but here's the thing that has remained consistent, is that 
my heart has always been to point people to Jesus. Even today, I hope that what I share just points you to Jesus. Because um, I'm nothing, but Jesus is everything. His truth marches on. There's a reason for that. Because Jesus is everything. His truth is the final word. There's a reason for that. Because Jesus is everything. And truth in the end, will win the day. Because Jesus is everything. In Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 9, my heading there has the words, the calling of Matthew. Um, there's one person here who calls me Matthew. I haven't had anybody call me Matthew since my mother was around. Yes, Tim Stearman. Hello, Matthew. How are you doing? I liked it. Yeah, that's kind of nice, you know. Yeah, the fireworks are already going off. That's great. I'm not quite done yet. Matthew chapter nine, calling him Matthew. It says as Jesus went on. From there in verse 9, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. I just be, let me give you a little bit of background because I just want you to know that as much as we don't like taxes now, as much as you may loathe the IRS, there's a difference between what's happening with our taxes now, at least for, I believe this is the case, and what was happening then. You see, it was an understood and open ended deal with tax collectors in that day that they it was just known they're going to steal from you it was known it was part of the system here's what i mean by that the romans wanted a certain amount let's just say that they wanted five percent but your pay if you're a tax collector comes from whatever you want to set over and above that there was nobody there who was telling you that you needed to set it at you know two percent above or ten percent above it didn't matter sometimes it could be based on the day or the person or just the tax collector's mood you knew you were going to get robbed when you met the tax collector all right literally <laughs> and we feel that way even now sometimes but this time it was it was condoned and so here's the thing is that nobody liked tax collectors. You kind of get the feeling and the reasoning why. I'm sure you're figuring that out right now. But here Jesus went to probably the most hated individual, this Matthew, in this community. And he asked him to follow him. Now, the words of Jesus were, were not just, you know, even though they didn't have internet or Facebook or, 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 or you know, or, or gossip grams or anything like that, they, they had these things that were going on that were just word of mouth. And people, you know, were talking and they just understood what Jesus was talking about. And so... Jesus' message had preceded him. I'm sure it is, it is pretty well implied here that Matthew already had heard of this Jesus individual and how he was going throughout the land. And Jesus tells him, follow me, it says in the next verse. Follow me, he told him. And listen, and Matthew got up and followed him. I, I just find that amazing because 
Here's a man who has built his life, he's built his career, he's built everything that he knows about himself around being a tax collector. He has probably a great group of friends that have just shielded him from you know, all the mess, and he, he's probably living in one of the largest and most fortified places there in the community, and, and, and there's this large separation between him and, and, and the the average common folks in that community. And yet here this Jesus comes along and he sees Matthew and he says to him, will you follow me? And Matthew just drops everything. Everything. And I just am amazed at that. Is this, could this really be true? Well, I believe it's 110% true. I believe this is gospel. <laughs> but I read this and I just... It just takes me back a couple steps. But, but then it says in verse 10, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners, you know, this group that he had kind of just kind of put around him, this buffer that he had placed around him, all these people, they came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? One version that I read says, why does your teacher eat with the scum of the earth? <laughs> I thought that was an interesting. And, and then there are some, don't, they go a little bit further, and most theologians would say, you know, probably there was tax, or not only tax collectors and and, 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 and sinners, it was prostitutes, and, and it was un understood, you know, what this probably, this motley crew looked like that Jesus was sitting down to eat with. And in that day and in that time, when you sat down to eat with someone, you were saying, you know what, I am in union with you. We, we, you and I share something. It, not more, it's more than food. It was, we share some, we share something just together. It was almost like saying, I'm in solidarity with you. And so the Pharisees were like, who in the world is this man who has the audacity to eat with the sinners and to eat with the tax collectors and to eat with the prostitutes and, to, and, to, and act as if he's in solidarity with them? Who is, this, who is this? You, can't you see right in front of you? He's an awful individual. On hearing this, in verse 12, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I think of that, and I, I think, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's easy for you and for me, maybe more so for me, to think that, well, you know what, I've, I've, we've, I've got my act together. I've, I, I know who Jesus is. I know, I know how things should be, and I'm... And just maybe just take it like as if we are a step above. Well, let me speak today for uh, just myself, but also probably I know that there will be thousands upon thousands of pastors, probably even still today, that are doing the same thing this year. But I want to speak on our behalf and just say this. Your pastor, 
whoever it is. It's not between you and God. Your pastor, whoever it is, is not perfect. Your pastor, whoever it is, sometimes we can put them on a pedestal where we think maybe that they can do everything, but they can't. As a matter of fact, as we were putting together our structure for the church and working behind the scenes, I asked Eric, I said, now I see what you're putting me at the top here, but I said, I need you to turn that upside down and I want it to look like a tree. I want to be at the roots and I want to see the people in, in above. I began because, number one, I, I love Jesus. And number two, because I believe Jesus can change anything. I still believe that today. And, and here's the thing, though, is Jesus was saying, you know, if we don't recognize our need, we'll never get well. He's looking at these folks, these Pharisees. It's not the healthy who need a doctor. And he's looking, that's a sarcastic statement, by the way, church. He knew they're the ones that needed this the most. But they were the, well, I mean, they just, everything's great. They were, you know, don't talk to us, Jesus. You're beneath us. We're between man and God. Reminds me of a story of an individual. I forget, I will actually my two pages of notes today his name was misner and and i want to make sure i get this right but he's known for the line for saying be nice to people on the way up because you'll meet the same people on the way down anyone heard that <laughs> he's on his deathbed and a priest comes to him and he says these words very presumptive words I've never to use these, thank the Lord. He says, I'm sure you want to talk to me. Actually, I usually felt the exact opposite. I'm sure they don't want to talk to me when they're on their deathbed. But, but Misner told that priest, he said, why should I talk to you? I've just been talking to your boss. And the point is this. Don't ever get your eyes on a pastor or another person. Keep your eyes on the boss. Keep your eyes on the boss. I didn't enter into ministry to get famous or to get rich, although I achieved every one of those things. I, <laughs> that, well, wait, anyway, I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> I say that to say it's pastors, 99.5% of them in in our country anyway, that I, I'm aware of, they, they do what they do because they love Jesus. And they're not perfect, and they're going to make mistakes, but they love Jesus. And so I come to you, I didn't come here with any type of agenda, except I wanted to preach Jesus, make him known. And I didn't come here to any other agenda, except I want to see this church thrive and grow But sometimes, well, sometimes, games can enter into the place. 
and we enter into this grand adventure of missing the point. Have you ever been on that adventure? <laughs> this grand adventure of missing the point. And here's what the Pharisees at that time and that day, they were on this grand adventure. I mean, they had these beautiful systems set up and they were seen on the street corners and they could pray like nobody's business. And they said that they knew God better than anyone else. And yet Jesus, here's Jesus who just puts him down himself down here, the God of the universe with the scum of the earth. And he looks at them and he says, basically, I don't know how we're going to be able to help those who think they're well and yet are not. But he goes on to say that because he doesn't stop there. He says in verse 13, but go and learn what this means. He's speaking to the Pharisees. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I, I, when I started in my first church in, in Goodland, I've told you stories about Goodland before, but I had no clue what I was doing. They put you in your first church, and you're kind of like, uh, okay, now what? You know, I mean, I've finished, you know, Tim, you've, you've been there, and, and uh, I, I mean, you know, what, what do we do? You know, okay. I did the only thing that I knew to do. I was in this little town, and I just started walking the streets, and I would talk to people, and I figured out where they were hanging out and having coffee, and and next thing you knew, I mean, people were, our little church of, you know, about 20 people was growing. And it, and it actually tripled in a matter of just about a year and a half. It was simply because of this, because a pastor who did not know what he was doing actually was loving people right where they were at. <laughs> and I didn't even know any better. <laughs> and so I would just love them right where they were at. And, and, and I got to know people. That, and, and the southwest corner of town was the area of town that you did not want to live in. I mean, we're talking a small community, but we all, they all have this. And, and so it was near the railroad track. It was, just, it was just not the best area of town. And that's where I started hanging out. And uh, mostly trailers in that area. And I was in and out of different trailers. The one black man who lived in the whole town of Goodland came to our Nazarene church. You want to know why? Because he felt loved and accepted and hadn't stepped out of his little trailer for, you know, to, except to get something, you know, uh, for, at the grocery store for, for months. And I've spent time in there just loving on him. And then all of these Hispanic folks, yep, half of them are probably illegal. But for some reason, it didn't stop the Holy Spirit from getting to talking to their hearts. And, and so they, here they were in our church. And, and here we were talking, we were growing, and our, our budgets have grown, and all these. And, and there were some that were like, well, uh, our church is changing. I don't know if I like this. I mean, nobody, you know, the people, there's all these different colors and, you know, people don't really look like me and, and I've lost, I liked it better when we were back at 20 people and I knew what was going on. You, you, you probably heard these type of things before and, and, uh, and, and I'm telling you, here's this trick of Satan is he wants to make it seem like you and I have some type of part to play or some type of control in the midst of what God is going to do. But I'm going to tell you something. God's word is final. And when he goes after his people, he wins. And he wins always. And so I tell you this today to say, I, 
We praise the Lord, amen. I love, I love the church because I've seen what the church can do and what it can be when Jesus is truly central. When hearts are truly pure, when they are truly about loving people right where they are at and forgetting the rest. Another one of my dumb moments in ministry before I even took my first church, I was working in a mountain bike shop, and I was the mechanic there, and I was interning at the church, trying to you know, finish up my first bachelor's there, and and as I'm doing that, I'm, I'm, I'm with this crazy group of people in this in this in this uh, 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 mountain biking shop, and we sold all kinds of other stuff, skis and everything else, and. But as we were there, we had this group of people that went everything from a guy who left the Baptist church because he was so angry at the church and the people who rejected his family because his daughter got you know, pregnant out of wedlock and, and, and so they pushed them aside and then there was a lady who was a lesbian and there was a, you know, another couple that were just, you know, just, it was just the craziest mess. And Jesus kept, you know, I'm thinking, okay, this is just a short chapter. I just need to get through this. But Jesus kept going like this to my heart and kept saying, Matt, you need to love these people right where they are. And you need to just, right now, you ask them to do a Bible study. And I thought, that's the craziest thing I would ever do. These people are going to look at me like I have two heads. And they're going to say, no way. I began after months, you know, finally just start. I'm thinking about having a Bible study here before we start church. Would you be willing to come work? Would you be willing to come to to work early, an hour early, and do Bible study? And I thought, for sure, no way. They aren't going to do it. Every one of them, every person in that department came to this little Bible study. And here's what happened in that Bible study. We began to just talk about the word, and we stuck with where Jesus was, you know, the letters in red. We stuck with Jesus and I began to see people's hearts changing. And, and they just start, began to melt. Just people began to melt before me. I, I mean, that one lady who I told you about, she was a lesbian. She, she was one of the meanest individuals I've ever met. I mean, she would just stab you in the back so quick, it just wasn't even funny. And yet I began to see her melt. She tells me her story. She tells me her pain. And here's the thing. I didn't do one thing except what Jesus asked me to do. And he did the rest. And here's what I believe. that I don't know what the next chapter has for me. And I don't know exactly what the next chapter has for you. But here's what I trust in. Is that the power of the Holy Spirit can actually change people. And when we introduce them to Jesus, it's not my job to be their Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's job to change them. And throughout history, it has never changed the holy spirit comes into hearts comes into lives transforms them makes them new convicts them of sin and things and amazing things happen in the church and here's what i'm saying is if we move forward folks be jesus to people wherever you are and let the holy spirit do the rest But it had to start with me. I, I, and the biggest issue right now that threatens our freedom in America, this day of 4th of July, Independence Day, we celebrate freedom. And I love freedom. I'm thankful for the freedoms we have, and I love America. But the greatest thing that threatens our freedom today is addiction. And some of you might think, oh, you know, well, there's, you know, porn addiction, and then there's, you know, there's, uh, you know, food addiction, and then there's, you know, 
alcohol and drug addiction and all these different addictions. Now, I, I, I mean, those are all part of it, but I'm going to say it's self-addiction. The greatest threat to our freedom in America or around the world, even in Christ, is self-addiction. I took a picture, didn't have it here, but in a parking lot when we were in California for a while and there was a Jeep there and the license plate said M-E-E -E, number one S-T. Me first. <laughs> I thought, that just sums it up so well, doesn't it? And, and we see that in our, if I feel it, if I perceive it, then it's reality. Perception, truth. If I if I say, if I think, I'm going to tell you, not one word that I said has mattered in all of my 22 years of ministry, except for this word, Jesus, because that's truth. And after degrees. They don't even hang on my wall anymore, but I'm still paying for doggone it. <laughs> and, and all of that, it all comes down to one thing. Jesus. I've sat before amazing people, amazing general superintendents, I've had Leonard Sweet, some of you probably don't even know who Leonard Sweet is, ask me personally if I would join him out in Northwest and join a, a, a training that he was doing. And I've had some amazing things happen in my years of ministry, but only one thing matters. It's Jesus. Only one thing matters. And so I say this to say to you today, as I, as I work towards a close, I want to say to you that the only thing that matters is Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Love people for Jesus. If there's something in your life or in your heart that doesn't reflect Jesus, then make it right. And believe that the Holy Spirit has the power to change it in you and in me. It's all about Jesus. There's a story told by Tony Campolo years ago, and it was about a young man that was in one of his classes, and, and he, he said that he and this young man were having uh, a, a, an argument, kind of a ver verbal argument, right there in the middle of class, and he tells the kid, he says, you need to sit down right now, or I'm going to throw you out of class. And the kid says to him, who cares? <laughs> and he said, well, you should care, because if I throw you out of class, you will not get your degree. And the kid looks back and says, who cares? And he said, well, you better care because if you don't get your degree, you won't get a great job. Well, who cares? Well, if you better care because if you don't get a great job, you're not going to get paid a lot of money to buy more and more stuff. And the kid said, who cares? And I 
think sometimes, and I've talked to my dad, and not long his dad's like, well, do you think you're going to like what you're going to be doing next? And I said, I don't know. I don't know what's next, and I don't know what God has next for me, but who cares? Because I've answered one question, and it's a question that you have to answer too as you choose to do the right thing or not do the right thing. And the question is this, that you have to ask yourself every day, is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus worth it? And for me, it's an unequivocal yes. And I do it all again because Jesus is worth it. It's been said that you cannot express love and power simultaneously. In any relationship, whoever is expressing the power is not expressing the love. And whoever is expressing the love has become vulnerable. And that is the incredible message of the gospel. Taking on human flesh, Jesus decided to save the world, not through the use of his power, but by the use of his sacrifice. And I am one who happens to believe that Jesus changes everything. And if you don't believe that Jesus changes everything, if you don't believe the love of God can change the world through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his son, then you might want to join another movement because I'm telling you, when it comes down to it, there's one thing the church universal must be about, and that's Jesus Christ. The Barna Group went around to, this is just before the pandemic, but went around to young Christians around the country. They were all non, excuse me, young non-Christians around the country. None of them claimed to know God. Many of them claimed to not believe in God. But they asked them a simple question, thousands. It says, what is the first thing when you, think, you think of when you think of the word Christian? The first word was anti-gay. The second was judgmental. The third was hypocritical, and the list just didn't get any better. At the bottom of that list of things that people think about when they think of Christian was love. I just want you to know today, I know that's not the truth. Because church, we are here because of Jesus' love. But we've got to show it. And your agenda and my agenda or my thoughts or my opinions mean absolutely nothing but Jesus' opinion. It's everything. Amen. And Jesus' opinion of you and of the people beyond these walls and the people around the world is this. They're worth dying for. <laughs> They're worth the ultimate sacrifice. So I say to you, as I'm joining into a new chapter in my life, I would like to ask you to join me 
in this chapter. And here's what I mean by that, is sometimes we need to just take a step back. Just take a step back and remind ourselves what this is all about. Because church, church, (laughs) is not a game. It's not about power and it's not about agendas. It's not about you being recognized. It's not about... Church is simply this. Preach Jesus and Christ crucified. It's the power that changes the world. And people notice when you're for real or not. And I remember one of my favorite memories since I've been here. And Mike, if you're watching this, Mike Ferris, I love you, brother. And uh, we were in the car singing at the top of our lungs to Gaither music. And Ferris, Mike Ferris, excuse me, he didn't have any expectations of me. He just loved me right where I was at. Thank you for being Jesus to me, Mike. So in this next chapter of our journey towards heaven, I ask you, would you take a step back with me and just ask, Jesus, maybe I've made this about things that it wasn't supposed to be about. Maybe I've allowed things to crowd in that shouldn't be crowding in. Will you get that focus with me where it needs to be? 110% on Jesus. That's, that's what it's about. I, I wish I could go back. I wouldn't worry about the degrees nearly as much. I wouldn't worry about administration quite as much. Although those things are important. But the one thing that I did get pretty doggone right in the midst of it all is Jesus. And loving people for him. Well, today, as we close, there's going to be a time of communion. And I want to have a twist on communion that maybe you haven't thought of before, but I want you to realize that in the span of my ridiculously long sermon, uh, <laughs> we, there have been thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have died around the world with over 7 billion people spinning on this rock. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people have died in the span of this time. And here's the thing is that the majority of them have gone to hell. Because there's places in our world that still, they don't know. They There's people who are choosing against the Lord, who people who even have heard Jesus' name and they're rejecting him. And one evangelist shared the same statement, and then he closed his statement with this. And then he said, and the thing that's really upset is that makes me upset is that most people don't give a and he let out an expletive. (laughs) And then he said. And what really upsets me is more of you are more upset about the fact that I just said that word 
than the fact that thousands of people are dying and going to hell. <laughs> and I had that, maybe no one else felt that, but I thought, oh, he's talking right to me. Communion today, I want it to have a little different twist. Because oftentimes, and, and rightly so, it's about us examining our hearts between us and the Lord. But I want you to know that you can't have a good vertical relationship if you don't have good horizontal relationships. That's why when Jesus said to us, uh, you know, the greatest commandment, I, I'm going to sum all of this, you know, the, the laws and the prophets, I'm going to sum it all up. It hasn't been canceled, I'm summing it up. And the sum of it is this, love God and love others. And they weren't, he didn't push them apart. Love God and love others. And so today, I've been asking for you to have a little different thought perspective. I want you to examine your heart before the Lord. But then I also want to examine your, you to ask you to examine your heart between one another. Examine your heart towards maybe a, a son or a daughter or a friend or a co-worker. Examine your heart. Just say, Jesus, put the magnifying glass on me. Let me see myself in the mirror. I, I, can, I can take it. Just let me do it, Lord. Not only vertically, but horizontally today. So does everybody have a cup? If you don't have a, a cup um, that has the wafer and the juice, uh, please raise your hand because we'll make sure that you get one. And uh, there's one over here, Joel, and there's some others over here, and, and I don't have one either. Thank you. And as always, I'll remind you, there's two pieces of foil. One is clear, and that's the one you want to get off first that pull back uh, for the wafer. And, and we were talking about a week ago about communion, and I remember my kids at one time, they would say, they, they didn't give us enough to eat and drink. <laughs> what kind of a meal is this? Well, of course, we understand that the point is not the wafer and the juice. You see, that's a grand adventure and missing the point. The point is this, is what it represents. And here's the deal, is that Jesus died so that you could be justified before God, that you could find reconciliation before God through repentance of your sins. But we get that pretty well. But here's where sometimes we struggle, is that he also died so that we could have right relationships with one another. Loving, caring relationships. In Philippians 2 that we talked about last week, it says have the same mindset of Jesus, that Jesus Christ had in that he gave himself as a sacrifice. He humbled himself. And it's not always easy, at least not for me, just to humble myself, maybe bite my tongue and just listen. 
Let's pray. Lord, we're listening to you. Lord, maybe right now there's a a face or a place or a situation. You're placing right before us and you're saying, this needs to be dealt with. There needs to be forgiveness here. There needs to be wholeness. There needs to be peace in your heart. Lord, as, as we gather to take of these symbolic sacrament, we ask God that you will make it a reality in us. May it truly become not the perception of something good, but may it be truth in us that you have set us free of addiction, of hurt, the past, of addiction to being right. Search us, O Lord. We bow before you, God, knowing that in the end, all that matters is who you are and our standing before you. But God, we know that that affects every other part of our lives. So today, do a thorough examination, my heart. as we enter into a new chapter. And together we say, amen. This, this wafer, it re- represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, in a place about halfway around the world from us, he died on a cross. Not nearly as fancy as that one. It wasn't lit The only thing beautiful about it was Jesus was on it. That was beautiful. When he hung there with nails through his hands and feet, a a piercing wound to his side, his body laid broken. And what he was doing was not just dying for our sins, but he was giving us a, a real life visual example. When you follow me, it requires everything be in line with me. So today as we take this, I want you to take it and eat and be thankful for how God on the cross through his son died and was broken for you and for me. According to God's covenant with Israel, there always had to be sacrifice for there to be healing. I mean, it was a gruesome type of thing, and they would sacrifice animals, and the blood of those animals would actually go kind of down this this little uh, trench that was built, and they would walk, the priests would walk in that trench, and the blood would be on their feet and on the tassels, and, and, and the idea and the understanding was this is that 
for wholeness to come to humanity, a sacrifice had to be made. Well, as people often do, they turn that into something. Well, if we just have the right calf or we have the right sacrifice or we pay enough money for it, then it's, and God, no, that's not what this is about. I'm going to send you the only perfect thing in the universe, my son. He's going to die for you and his blood is going to be spilt. And when his blood is spilt, then guess what? When you ask for forgiveness of your sins, it is forgotten as far as the east is from the west. And when you stand before God, there's not going to be a screen like this one over top of my head that's going to show every sin that you've ever committed because if that's the case, then God doesn't forget. But the Bible says he does, and he brings about this thing called justification. It's a theological word, but it means this. Just as if... I'd never sinned. Ah, the blood of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful gift for you and for me. Take it and be thankful today. I just want to ask Eric if you would come up and maybe just play a little something for us in the background. I'm putting them on the spot. Don't we have a good worship team? Tell you what. Pointing us towards the Lord. When our district superintendent came and spoke a few, about three weeks ago, he looked at Lori and he, he said, man, she has a beautiful voice. I said, you need to get your hearing aids checked. And, and uh, just kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> she does. She has a beautiful voice. But more than that, she has a beautiful heart. We're thankful for that. So today, as we come to a close, I want to ask you, um, maybe if you felt like the Lord is just leading you in such a way that you just need to take a moment for prayer, I just want you to join me as I close in prayer today. Lord, we thank you for this time. What an amazing journey you have made all of our lives. Jesus, we wouldn't change anything if it means we get to be closer to you, live in harmony with you. And God, I pray for me and for my family and for this church family and extended families beyond this place and for every person around the world, Christian, non-Christian, Lord, I pray that every person would have this type of harmony, Lord. represented in communion. We love you, God, today. And I thank you, God, for everything. The good, the bad, the in-between. Jesus, uh, goes without saying, you're worth it. But that's really not where my heart is. My heart is saying thank you for believing that we were worth it. Thank you, God. Pray these things in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. Amen. Well, I think that uh, at this point, Shelby uh, is going to come up and just share a few things with us. I'm Shelby Elsis. I represent all of you on the board here at Woodland Life Church. I'm kind of just here today to
give you an update on this transition time, the interim time, um, and let you all know that you will be seeing me a lot and other board members kind of walking you through, keeping you updated, being transparent. Um, so with that being said, we're going to be in a trifecta type of interim time. So our very loved Tim Stearman is going to fill the pulpit role. Um, he's amazing at telling stories about Jesus, so definitely we're looking forward to that. And then our very own and loved Scott Green is going to take over the interim pastor. So that includes questions from you all, concerns from you all, thoughts from you all. Um, he'll be helping staff. Tim will also be loving on the staff. Um, so yeah, he'll be kind of boots on the ground. And then the last person is going to be Dr. Kevin Compton, and he is our district administrator. He is going to serve as chairman on the board. So he's going to be there. He's going to be in really close connection with Scott and kind of talking with him, addressing things with the board as well. Um, so yeah, that's the update I have right now for you on that process. Um, Scott Green is going to preach a couple Sundays for us before Tim steps in. Um, so that's going to be good. And that's that. The next thing I have is Pastor Matt. Um, I We would like to call love offering for him. We're going to have the box out there just for you to drop in. Just put a memo on your check or your envelope just to wish him and Jackie and their family the love and the appreciation that we have for them. He he points people to Jesus. He pointed my sweet Lakeland to Jesus. She accepted Jesus this year and I'm forever grateful for you. Um, but yeah, thank you, Matt. We appreciate you. Will I ever learn? On your chairs, there's a card for prayer requests. I'd also like to remind you of this coming Wednesday night prayer meeting. We need to bathe our whole ministry in prayer. Lots of things are happening. Already, just as Friday, just as last Friday, a retired pastor came to me and said, I'd like to help out on church visitation. Just this morning, finding out there's a couple of women that want to start an additional Bible study. God is working. Please bow with me. Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We know that you have a plan for Pastor Matt. We know that you have a plan for all of us. And we eagerly await that opportunity. Pastor shared today, step back, step back. And Father, we know that's an important time in many of our lives. But there's also a time for us in this 
church to step up and become involved. Thank you, Father. We love you. We love Pastor Matt. And we cherish the time that he's been with us. In thy name we pray. Amen.